You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. What's going on, Nash? It's your good buddy Joe O'Brien here with another episode of the FOD. Hanging out with my good buddy Troy. Troy, the missile of Alley. Is that what they call you now? That's, that's what they called me in uh, high school football. The missile. <laughs> when you were quarterbacking your high school football team? Uh, no, I was uh, I was an inside linebacker, middle linebacker. Because the way you just missile. shot through the lines? Yeah, they couldn't stop me. <laughs> I played, did you ever play football at all? I did, yeah. yeah. I played Pop Warner football, and I was, you know, my size. Well, actually, it's funny I say that because I'm a big dude now, but then I was, like, real tiny and uh, real short. I didn't really grow until, like, my junior year of high school. So Pop Warner, uh, I was so tiny, and I was the left defensive tackle. <laughs> Which always makes me laugh about Pop Warner. So you're tiny play? and out of shape. Like, oh, no, I, I was in great shape then, you man. Were. They it was crazy back then. Like, I don't know what it's like today with Pop Warner. I'm sure it's somewhat similar, but it had to be it had to be more intense in our day because like they were just mean. I mean, they were <laughs> they we would have to run the hills, you know what I mean? And they'd be like, run, run, run. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so I start scared. I started in eighth grade, but like I um, I went to a private school and there were only like 17 kids in my graduating class and the local, I mean, there was 800 public schools and like the nearest one to me had probably 200 people in their eighth grade class. And so I ended up, it was all based on location. So I played eighth grade and I was with all the public school kids. Uh, and it was just, just a bunch of vagrants. And, uh, but I knew a couple of the guys. So like I, I glommed on to the, the dude that I knew and I ended up playing a defensive end, which I loved because defensive end is just like, get after the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, yeah. stop the run. Uh, if it comes to the outside. But then when I went to high school, I went to this all boys prep school that like churns out NFL stars. And most, <laughs> most high schools like have a junior varsity and a varsity squad. But this one had a freshman squad, a sophomore squad, JV, and varsity. But the freshman and sophomore teams would play against the JV teams of other high schools just so you would get your ass demolished. <laughs> and then by the time you got to JV, you would be like a superstar. Yeah. So I tried out for the freshman team. And like everybody's getting cut left and right. But what I realized is I all I want to do is play linebacker. And they wanted you to have an offensive position and a defensive position. I just want to play linebacker. And uh, what I noticed is everyone that tried out to be a quarterback or a running back, only the best kids made it through and everybody else got cut. So I was like, I'm going to try and be an inf- uh, like a right guard. And they, <laughs> right. they took everybody who tried out to be right guard. And they were like, what position do you want to play on defense? I'm like, outside linebacker. And uh, so they had an outside linebacker. I played middle. And then I was the starting middle linebacker and like the fourth string running back, uh, like fullback. <laughs> and one day. The, the missile. Ki- Troy, yeah, the missile. The, the missile. That's where I get the nickname, the missile. Did, did I tell you they call me the missile? Uh <laughs> My shining glory is one day we were playing on the varsity field against a, a local high school that was beating the tar out of us. And the varsity coach was standing in the far end zone, just watching his future stars play. 
And uh, it was like an outside run um, off tackle. And I came up and there was like a scrum. A bunch of guys got on, couldn't bring him down. And I came up and just popped the running back and knocked the ball loose. And this was like, uh, they were on the 20 about to score and uh, getting into the red zone. I popped that ball out. And I saw it, and everybody else was still trying to tra- tackle the running back. I grabbed the ball, ran it 80 <laughs> yards back for a touchdown. Get yeah. out of here. Oh, my God. It was the greatest moment of my sports life, and I will never forget it. Uh, if I ever forget it, that's how you know I'm having early-onset dementia. Um, but, yeah, it was great. Fourth-string running back, though. Uh, Fourth-string fullback, there was one time, like, the kids in front of me got punished, and I had to take a play, and I was like, I have, I have been paying attention to what the fullback does. <laughs> and they handed out, they were like, fullback dive, and I took it, and I was like, ah! <laughs> 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 Oh, that's so funny. I, I remember years ago, I was, uh, had my girlfriend at the time and I were watching a football Eagles game or something. We're all hanging out at this bar, and, you know, there's a fullback dive. A guy just, like, runs in the middle, goes one half of a yard and the whole pile collapses and she's sitting there uh, and she's uh, in her cups you know and she's just like this is what i don't get like you're a professional football player you just run into the middle of that and you get half a yard like how is that skill how is that talent at all you did you literally did nothing and one of my buddies was like the thing is or she said i could do that and he was like you know you might yes you probably could do that behind those offensive linemen but you would never get up again <laughs> <laughs> you would be dead <laughs> like the second you hit the ground and they all fell on top of you. All right, let's get to the FOD today, Troy. It is uh, Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. Got some exciting news here regarding Friends of the Pod, our uh, our one shot that we did last week. Uh, that was fun. Went, went off without a hitch, except that we went live without Mary Lou having internet. <laughs> I know. Except I that little live. hitch. That's why I hate live, but also kind of like it. Uh, like, we're ready to go live, and Mary Lou's internet just goes out. We're like, do we wait? No, just go live. Right. I wonder if sometimes people think that we, like, get on eight minutes before we go live, and we're like, oh, we're having all these technical problems. Like. <laughs> We were all connected an hour ahead of time. We were yeah. all working through uh, our plans for the for the show and everything. And we did testing and we did syncing and all that stuff was all done. Mary Lou's Internet, not a hiccup. We went live 10 minute countdown, nine minutes into the 10 minute countdown. Her Internet just goes out. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> come on. But uh, we had a great time. Great sesh. I had an absolute blast. Uh, the, it was a really fun little scenario and uh, obviously great always playing with Skid, uh, Mary Lou and Paula Deming. So good times. For those of you that didn't catch it live, it's going to be airing. It airs today, right? On the Glass Cannon yeah. podcast feed. It's dropping today. Yeah, the audio is going to be on the Glass Cannon podcast feed. And just like we did when we did Friends of the Pod with Seth Gorkowski and he put the YouTube video uh, on his YouTube channel, uh, we're, we're, we gave the video to Paizo to put on their YouTube channel. This is a great way to kind of put us out there and, and keep uh, keep building the nation. So they were like, absolutely, we'll take it. And so that uh, if you want to see that, that'll be on the Paizo uh, YouTube channel. Uh, we are going to talk a little We Are Stupid this week, even though Glass Cannon Live episode, Strange Aeons episode 60 uh, was a heavy role-playing episode. We're going to talk a little bit of We Are Stupid, one little fun thing to talk about there, but then we're going to talk we're going to dig into that show a little bit um and we're going to we're going to analyze it from our perspective a little not notes from professor eric on that but notes from from us and uh and we'll get to that in a second but i want to i want a gatewalkers update i feel like yeah. uh, it's about that time man we are t minus well, we announced the release date, right? Uh, the release date is <laughs> yes. March 1st. No. March 1st. That's right. You heard it here. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't Cut wait. Cut that audio. 
<laughs> until they take that and remember, why is it available? Cancel my subscription. Yeah, um, uh, Gatewalker is not going to release March first, but uh, we do have some updates. So, so talk to me. You're you're you've been digging in. You're deep. Gate you're in deep. Walker's update. Well, unlike past uh, GMing, uh, I will be reading the entire adventure before we start. I didn't like to do that in the past for reasons that I don't feel like explaining because uh, everyone disagrees. But uh, I just got my hands on book three, which doesn't come out for a couple months. I've been uh, bugging Paizo about it because they sent me the uh, the printer version of book two a while ago, and I've had book one for months. Uh, but they finally sent me book three yesterday. Um, so uh, I'll be getting to that soon. I'm really excited about this adventure. And like as I'm reading it, I'm already seeing fun things that I can do to change it. Um, but in terms of the nuts and bolts of getting this on the ground, you and I are looking at spaces today. We're heading out to Queens and Long Island City to look at some more recording spaces to really try to lock this down so that we can get things uh, started. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, as this is airing, uh, you and I are in the city uh, looking at spaces. We uh, we had something that was really close to lined up. There was one minor flaw about it, but it's one big positive was that it was affordable. Uh, it was a really good Dirt space, cheap. and it was through our old landlord, and it was, it was something that could have worked for us, but it just – it fell through at the last minute, and their business plans changed in terms of how they're utilizing their units, and so, uh, and so, it uh, we lost that space, and so we we thought we might have a, a good one there, but we we don't, and so we had to go back to the drawing board. But McD, our community manager, has been a huge help there, and uh, we are hopefully, see, you know, as you're listening to this, we're seeing great spaces, and hopefully, we'll have something locked down within the month, which would be great. Yeah, the other space was like if if all we wanted to do was a podcast, it was. We could probably make it work. It was small, um, but video would have been really tough, certainly what I want to do with the video. Um, so we're now going to spend a lot more money to get a space that hopefully we'll uh, like. Um, but then, uh, you know, we've been talking about doing a, an episode zero, uh, even if that uh, comes out months before the uh, episode one of the new Glass Cannon podcast. And so you and I are, are looking at uh, just renting a recording space so that we can get the team together and, and shoot a uh, an episode zero because I'm getting emails left and right now because we, we have an email chain where people are sending their uh, their class and archetype ideas and kind of like basically claiming them, sticking their flag in fighter. Um, and so uh, probably half of you at this point have – kind of narrow down what you want to play. And so I think it's time to get an episode zero in the can where we just, we really talk about it and start to see who's going to be covering what in terms of skills and powers and, and what everyone's thinking in terms of build so that we have a really well-balanced party for the adventure. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So I've been on the phone with recording studios, uh, just trying to see a place that will – uh, it's just a strange thing to ask for. People are not used to, you know, renting out for six people to sit around a table and uh, record a high quality audio podcast for one hour. It's it's not a typical thing. We, you and I were talking about it. Like most places that claim their podcast studios have two microphones and two right. chairs. They're like for your podcasting, all your podcasting needs. Uh, it's so, like, it's yeah, like an no. end table with two <laughs> mics on it. <laughs> right. No, like, we need five it, mics and space for camera. Forget it. <laughs> and like for that space with two mics on an end table, they're like, yeah, no. And it's like 500 bucks an hour. Like, oh, well, 
we really don't want to pay fifteen hundred for this because we're also paying a videographer and an editor. I mean, everything is so expensive. Uh, well, that's no why I mean, I've said concept. this from the beginning. I've said this from the beginning. Our show would have been so much easier to be so much more successful so much sooner if we weren't in New York City. <laughs> because like we you know we didn't have a theater we didn't like need to be in new york for people to see our art we just were right. in new york in the most expensive per square foot real estate area in the world basically to uh to try to get space to record this stuff so yeah i'm always jealous of people that are like my actual play is based in des moines <laughs> like oh god studio space must be amazingly affordable there yeah but then again they're making less probably living there than they are uh yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, well, it's yeah. just so stupid. The prices in New York. That's it why is. Uh, well, don't get me started. Uh, just, <laughs> everything's like really fucking expensive. Just so you know, not only is everything hard, it's very expensive. <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm just excited that we're moving forward with it, and I am I am one of those people that is not decided on class yet. Uh, kind of letting everybody duke it out. There was something I was interested in, but it got like you said, a flag got planted in it. I was like. Damn it. And yeah, and so you I, and I, I talk more than anybody. So, like, I think you'll probably have, like, an inside. After everybody's picked, they'll be like, why don't you just go yeah. blah, blah, blah. Johnsky. Yeah. Right. And I'll screw you and you won't even know it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll, I'll know it. <laughs> I just won't know how exactly until the <laughs> until the story unfolds. Um, Favorite enemy undead. Yeah. I, uh, <sighs> it's going to be yeah. exciting. You you worry about it too much. You know what I mean? You just got to – what are you most excited to play? Don't try to fit. If you don't want to be a thaumaturge, don't do it. If you want to play, play what you're going to be most excited about playing. That's all that matters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Let's go to We Are Stupid. This week on uh, Glass Cannon uh, Live, Strange Aeons episode 60, was a role-playing up. Bit of a role-playing yeah. up. And yet... Professor Eric is on it. I was like, he's going to write back and say to me, why did you even tell me to make notes on this episode? There is no mechanics in this episode. Ha <laughs> ha. Nay. Uh, Professor Eric is like, oh, I got something. Now, he says he uh, acknowledges there's nothing major, but he did bring up something minor, which he acknowledges is like, look, the whole Ethel and Aldo uh, scene and like the the transferring of the potion and all this stuff. Um was really more of like a level up kind of thing, or maybe they didn't a misunderstanding of the level up rules. It's not really an issue. Uh, however, he did want to point something out, which I didn't know uh, about Tui like right out of the gate, which is the difference between healing potions and elixirs of life. Mm. And you can sort of now the difference, a healing potion is going to give you one D eight healing. Uh, 
okay. a, an elixir of life, which is an alchemical thing that uh, that alchemists can create. Uh, I came across the elixir of life in the one shot where I played an investigator that had an alchemical specialty. So I could make basic uh, elixirs. So I made an elixir of life in there. So I was reading up on those. Those are 1d6 healing, but they give you a plus one bonus to saves against poison and disease something like that for 10 minutes. That's cool. A little extra. Jeez. Yeah. A little extra one D six, but a little extra. Do and I think like, Oh, that's, that's the major difference. Well, to me, the, the he, Eric here points out the major difference is that healing potions are magical. They are magical consumables and the, uh, and the elixir of life is an alchemical item. It is not magical. It is mundane and made from alchemical ingredients. So I sort of felt like, Wait, didn't we read the one E alchemist as being like a magical class, right? Like their their things were considered spells essentially when you would throw a bomb. It was like no different than throwing than, than casting fireball. Um I think I'm oversimplifying, but I do believe that the rule book said, you know, under alchemists that it, that they make these magical concoctions and use that word. They didn't have the same trait um and correct me if I'm wrong, but 1E did not have the same trait system as 2E, right? Where like yeah. each thing has these traits laid out. So what Eric did was laid out the traits on these That's two things. That's why we're things. struggling with it so much because we're forgetting that they exist in 2E and they're so, so important to understanding the game. <laughs> yeah, they really help you nail down and define exactly what something is. So, so a healing potion has the following traits. Consumable, healing, magical, ne- necromancy, positive potion. So those are the traits for that. The elixir of life, however, only has one thing. I'm sorry, two things in common. It is elixir, alchemical, consumable, and healing. So it's consumable and healing, just like healing potion. Otherwise, they have nothing else in common, which means that an elixir of life made by an alchemist is not magical healing. So if you have something cast on you, there are spells, curses, right? They'll say you cannot benefit from magical healing. You can still take an elixir of life and it will heal you. So that's a good thing to know. Uh, There are some instances, Eric points out, where it could come up with undead or undead ancestries that can't be healed with positive healing. But perhaps might be able to be healed by an elixir of life. I'm I'm presuming there because imagine it as like it is if you're undead, it is knitting back together pieces of skin, not magically but mundanely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a, a healing potion is using the positive force of life to yeah. bring your hit points back up. That would never work for an undead. Uh, in fact, it would have the opposite effect. Uh, so, th- yeah, I, I felt like that was a neat little thing uh, to point out. And elixir uh, of life could be like about. a caffeine pill. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, oh, I can get back in the fight. Right, um, right. And it you know, boosts your uh, saves yeah. against yeah. diseases and poison. So it's like it's giving your body, yeah, a little injection of like a pre-vaccine, right? Something like that. Yeah, that's cool. You know, these little distinctions. Nothing is uh, nothing is accidental in Pathfinder 2. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I guess they're the same thing. No, we're, you got to read a little deeper. Like same thing with stunned and uh, what do we – we're stunned and uh, – Slowed. Slowed, yeah. Yeah, you got to read a little deeper. And for me, you know, the big, my biggest, my largest weakness in uh, as when it comes to the rules and all of this is assuming that I know something, particularly when it comes to things that seem logical. And I would say, without question, if you said that you could not be cured by magical healing, I would say without looking at anything that you couldn't take an elixir of life. I would also (laughs) say, uh, I would also say that, you know, an undead couldn't take or whatever. 
And the point of that is just to say, I need to get in the habit, uh, not of like reading all the rules all the time. That's, that's a little bit too daunting and you might not retain the information. We need to get in the habit of any time there's like even the slightest question of something, we should just go to the traits of what, whatever right. we're looking at right away. And it would, it would be very interesting to look at Elixir of Life and be like, it does not have the magical trait. Look at yeah. that. You know what I mean? And that well, would just let you know. It'll be a lot different for, for gatewalkers because it's going to be an, an edited show. You know, this is a, this is, even though these are pre-recorded, they're still live. We don't edit them. And so sometimes in the interest of just moving on, we don't take that extra time and we figure it out between sessions, but sometimes we get a lot in the can. And so we'll make that same mistake over and over again until uh, we get caught up to the apps. It'll be different uh, with gatewalkers, but sometimes it's fun to figure it out and, and, and show that a little bit how the sausage is made as well as like, oh, well, actually now it's like this. That's why I always say like when a question comes up, I want to like train everybody to like, even if it doesn't pertain to your character, everyone start looking it up um, because someone's going to find the answer. And it's also going to help uh, just the, add to the general fuller understanding, more complete understanding of the game. Um, but usually people don't do that. You should uh, start awarding bottle caps for whoever finds the right answer first. Right. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> Motivate them. <laughs> Incentivize. That's called incentivizing. Yeah. Incentivizing uh, your cast members to to look at the rules. Well, yeah, and I guess to, to boil it down, what I'm saying is it can be daunting to feel like you have to read a wall of text to get the right answer. That's not always the case. Sometimes it's just – Look at the ability and look at its traits, and you can get some really good uh, Cliff's Notes sort of answers on a lot of questions just by looking at something's traits, and I just got to get in that habit. Yeah, and we're also working on some things behind the scenes that we can't talk about right now that's going to make this hopefully a lot easier for us uh, really, really soon. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, as I said, that was, that was it from Eric. This really turned into largely a role play episode, um, which – after the fact, I felt uh, – I was really excited about it. I talked to the other players about it. We were all pumped about it just because we felt like it was long overdue uh, for for this group. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like there is a unique situation that happened with this party, both in-game and out-of-game, that created the transition into this particular party. And it was so kind of thrown together that that crew – Never really got like an on on screen at least ability to gel or bond or get to know each other or whatever when they're going into these horribly uh, dangerous things. So I was glad it happened, but you weren't thrilled with uh, with some of that role. <laughs> well, you uh, you were a little disappointed in me. You would so disappointed <laughs> in you in particular. <laughs> Certainly not on your entire performance. Maybe some parts. No, I. Uh, so you're saying be, I didn't bat a thousand in my improv? I, this, I think this will be actually interesting to people. So, like, there'll be plenty of shows, glass cannon live shows, where the crowd will be losing their mind as we walk off stage, and we get back there, and everyone knows, don't talk to Troy because I will be. <laughs> miserable thinking that that was the worst show that we've ever done. And all I can think about is all the things that didn't work out. Um, and eventually I get over it, but that's just the nature of my personality is perfectionist. I want everything we do to be the best thing that we did so that next time we can do even better. And so when you're, when you're dealing with, with, with a, a setting like this, it's, it's the, the buy, the bar is so high to try and make sure that every episode is great because there's a lot of options out there and I want to make sure people keep listening to us. So 
the nature of this show is very weird, especially because of COVID, because we had so many people coming in and out. And now we've settled on finally what we think is going to be our go-to crew. Uh, of course, the next two weeks, Sydney's was in Italy. And so she's not going to be on the show. So we've already <laughs> fucked that. But ideally, this is our, this is our crew now, this particular group. And we haven't really had those moments, like you said, like, and we used to have them in Giant Slayer all the time, the sort of campfire catch-ups. Mm-hmm. We get to really check in with the character. Um, and see what they're thinking. And it worked really well in a podcast form because it, it breaks up the, the constant battle stress to like really get into how it's affecting the characters. And doing that, like if you come and you pay money to come to a show and you watch us live, spending an hour doing that to me is a huge risk. It's gotta, it's gotta pay off. And, uh, because sometimes it might, it may wander. And uh, so I don't do it as much because I just want to – the show is just a different machine. I want it to be entertaining. I want it to be funny. I want it to be action-packed. And if we slow down too much, I worry that we'll lose the audience. Now, because we're playing on Twitch, we have a different opportunity here to kind of get back into doing things the way we used to do them. And uh, so that's why we had an episode like this. I wanted to try it. And the difficult thing is I don't think it all – I don't think it – I don't think it hit. Um, and, and that's okay. Like we're still learning our paces as a group. And that's the whole reason why we're doing these strange ions apps is just like get this group to, to know each other a little bit. It's like batting cages. Yeah. Batting cages before the game. The real game is gatewalkers. (laughs) When we did Giant Slayer episode one, I had gamed with Grant once and Matthew maybe once. You know what I mean? That's why sometimes it takes a few episodes to get into that show because we were getting used to playing with each other. Well, that's what's happening with Strange Aeons. And so we had to have an episode like this where everyone is just kind of feeling each other out. And, you know, it's when you're doing full role play, there's hits or misses. But what I'm going to try and uh, impress upon people as we start Gatewalkers, even though that will be an edited show, like if the role play doesn't hit, I cut it out. But um you know, coming from an acting background, when you were dealing with a scene, the, the thing was always like, when you come into a scene, you always got to think about what do you want in this scene? And then the other character that you're uh, up against in the scene is your scene partner is either going to um, help you to achieve that goal or they're going to prevent you from achieving that goal. And either way, at the end of the scene, there is some sort of progress, either towards that goal or further away from that goal. So the same thing has to happen in, uh, in, in improvised role play. And if you're a screenwriter, you're doing the same thing. It's like, we'll start one place at the beginning of the scene. And then by the end of the scene, you need to have completely changed in another direction to push the story forward. So when you're improvi- improvising, I just want to impress upon people, have a goal coming in. Now, the character that you're up against, they may have a goal too that is either antithetical to your goal, uh, or helps your goal or not related to your goal at all. You have to come in with a goal and not just meander. If you meander, it better be funny. And, and, you know, sometimes we, we, we do that. We're meandering to try and find the funny, but if it doesn't get there, now we're just meandering. And so there was a little bit of meandering, um, and a little bit of like, let's just talk and role play and see what comes of it. And that's okay too, but not for a show like this. To me, it's like the, I want the role play to be goal oriented. And I, I agree with you. I feel like, that's how I try to think about my scenes. Like, I don't want to start off a scene with a – what's the word I'm looking for? With, like, an inciting line that's just – I know is either going to be funny or interesting in some way and then just see where it goes or see how people react without having any 
goal or follow up to that. Um, you know, I definitely went into that scene with Suki with, with the goal of like, uh, my goal was I wanted Suki's character to get fleshed out a little bit more because uh, we didn't know a lot about her. And it's like, why is she here? Why would you put yourself through this abject horror? Uh, for what, for why, you know, and it's and that's not a that- cool goal because it's like, it's part character. I want to know more about this character. That's the goal. Like, who is the Suki? But then producerial, you step back. You're like, we really need to learn more about Suki. So I'm going to use this opportunity. Um, so that's smart. Those are good goals. Yeah, exactly. And like, also, you don't always have to achieve your goals, nor yeah. do you have to achieve a great scene. Like a great scene is. It's it's few and far between. You know what I mean? Like, enjoy those moments when you get them at your table. The point is just try by having a goal and having – before you think about the scene, think about where does this scene go and where does it end up? That's what I'm thinking of when I start my first lines in that scene. Uh, even if it doesn't end up where you expected, that's that's fine. That can be even better. But if you go in without knowing where you want it to go, then that's, that's what can create some meandering kind of yeah. role play. And um, like I break my own rule all the time, but I – can do that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I do it. I don't, I don't have any goal, but I want to discover the goal, but I just feel like I've got the training to be able to do that. Like everybody else, it, it takes a long time to be able to do that. Like Barry Broadfinger, I didn't have a goal going into that. You know what I mean? I just discovered it because of something somebody said, and then I can go and be funny with it. But like that takes decades of training, which thankfully I have. Right. And being a comedian, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and knowing what is funny and, and, and hitting that timing correctly and all that kind of stuff. Uh, like you said, you were like, meandering is fine as long as it's funny. Uh, yeah. so meander um, away, but I'm watching you meander away, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm watching you. Um, next week, uh, glass cannon labs. Is, is it happening? Is it coming back? We're off this week. Uh, but we're I'm curious if I'm honestly curious if we're playing next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the plan with labs, we're still trying to figure out the plan with labs because the whole plan was like, this is supposed to be a laid back. The plan with labs thing. is that it's fun and relaxing. Right. And uh, I don't I don't know how to do that. Nothing is ever fun <laughs> nor relaxing. It's all <laughs> wor- stressful work. And so uh, the plan was never to do it every week. Um, but there might be weeks where it's like, hey, you guys want to do a lab Friday? We should be able to do that. Um, I do like the consistency of at least like we seems like we've settled into Thursday at 2 p.m. Uh, at least three times a month. So uh, the plan is for it to come back next week. After we finish this call, I'm going to be sending out a couple emails to determine what game and what cast will be playing in a game. But that is the plan. Also, forgot to mention in the news, dude, uh, Gen Con badges went on sale uh, mm. this past weekend. And, uh, you know, we always talk about this like, hey, we're going to be at Gen Con. But last year, my God, if you were there, what a fun time with our booth and all the shows we did. Well, this year we're going to be doing even more. In fact... I'm talking to our booking agent right now about doing something absolutely crazy in addition to all the other plans that we have. So if, you, if you're thinking like, oh, maybe is this the year I want to go out to – yes, yes, this is the year to come to the four best days in gaming. Uh, so grab your badges as soon as possible. Also, I went nuts when they said that it was going to be – that you could be maskless on the floor. I was so excited. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got different opinions on this stuff, but like it just really sucked um, to do that, uh, to have to deal with that all weekend long. So it'll be nice. But, you know, if, if people don't feel comfortable with that, then you should you should stay home. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, I just 
I felt like it was so constricting to me to play games and to hang out with people. It's just, it's not how I interact with people. It's very hard for me. To, like, I can't feel like I can't breathe and I get stressed and I get hot and I got to get out of there. Uh, and so I was very excited at that announcement. We'll see. I mean, it might change back. You know, it you might never change know. back. I mean, that may be um, not one I'd like to spend a lot of time at Pax Unplugged. I'm like sweating under there, but you know, this is a very weird time to be alive. And so everybody's got their own, um, things that they need to do and different health concerns. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm psyched that we don't have to do that. Yeah. I think it's, it's going to make the shows better and make the experience around the booth even that much cooler. So anyway, uh, we're going to wrap it up there guys. Thank you so much for hanging out for another episode of the FOD. Uh, we'll be back next week with more, uh, more info and hopefully an update on labs. Uh, yeah, we'll be playing next week. We're gonna play something. We'll play, play something. something. We'll I might play. not be there, but you guys might play. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely be there. Uh, new game. I'm in. Uh, All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at patreon.com slash glasscannon. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.